Hey guys, Cody here. Every now and then, I want to give you all a little glimpse of what we do on our Patreon channel. Sometimes, Troy will do more monologues and stories. Other times, we will review horror movies. And then sometimes, we get to interview some really awesome people. So I'm going to share with you an interview that I did with Sean O'Connell, who is the managing director of Cinema Blend and the co-host of the Real Blend podcast. And he's going to talk about the latest time that he got to interview Bill Skarsgård when he talked about what it was like to be Pennywise on the It franchise. If you'd like to hear more about our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash American Hauntings. Now, please enjoy my interview with Sean O'Connell. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the American Hauntings podcast, the show where we discuss history, hauntings, legends, lore, and all things paranormal. You are tuned into a special bonus episode, and today I have with me managing director of Cinema Blend and the host of the Real Blend podcast, Mr. Sean O'Connell. Sean, how you doing? I am wonderful, sir. Good to be with you as always. Yes, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Um, you know, full disclosure, Sean and I work together at Cinema Blend. I mention the site every now and then, especially when we're talking about movies. But we have very different jobs. You get to do a lot of really fun stuff. It looks like. Um, for instance, you know, you get to go to different junkets and interview uh, different celebrities and go to just a bunch of cool events and you get to meet so many people. And uh, I'm probably going to go off on some tangents here and just talk about things that aren't uh, horror movie related specifically. But I wanted to start out with just a couple things that I've seen you did recently. Uh, your podcast, you all got to, you had uh, Skarsgård on there, Bill Skarsgård, but I know you weren't necessarily in on that conversation. But I'm curious, like, how do you... How do you prep for somebody like that? When you get somebody on your podcast, and you're, you're, or even if one of your co-hosts, you have two other co-hosts that are going to go and speak with somebody, what's going through your mind when you're going to interview a celebrity like that? Well, the, and he was mostly interesting, too, because this is the second movie in that franchise, and he has not done a lot of press. Yeah. He shows up on a few of the late-night talk shows, and we wanted to sort of, with him specifically, get to the root of why they are hiding him, because prior to Chapter 2, he was arguably the star of those films, right? Mm -hmm. Now now you have James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, people like that. Um, but we wanted to find out if for sure he was deliberately hiding himself from press. And it turns out that that's part of the reason. He didn't want to associate his face with um, the clown. He wanted Pennywise to still be the dominant presence. And so just, we get into on the Real Blend podcast a lot of the technical aspects without being too dry. We're, we're really interested in the process that goes into making a, a specific movie. And, and then the funny thing is within that dynamic, all three of us, myself, uh, the other two hosts, Jake Hamilton and Kevin McCarthy, all come from completely different interests. And that's what it is. We're always just coming up with questions that we are interested in and we hope that the audience wants to hear the answers to them. And so Kevin will get really, really technical in terms of where was the camera placed in order to get this shot. But someone like Bill Skarsgård, he talked to him a lot about um, where the voice came from, how that originated. Even some things like, and I went to go see it chapter two last night for the second time, and I never even noticed all this, but Kevin asked him about the saliva coming out of Pennywise's mouth. Yeah. Uh, and it is, it's excessive. Like I, right, I right. caught up with that. On the second viewing, there's times when he's turning around and it's just like drizzling out of his mouth. And so he'll ask questions like that. I sort of ask a lot of bigger picture type things um, with a sequel for a horror movie, since sequels are so prevalent in the horror genre. Uh, I was curious how he approaches the challenge of making a movie monster still scary uh, after 
the the shock value is kind of gone. Like especially with Pennywise, like that movie was really popular and made a ton of money, but the the idea of Pennywise is just like in, injected into our pop culture, right? Like you could show the clown silhouette and almost everybody kind of knows what it is. So how is that still scary on a second go round? What kind of what type of challenge does that present? And it's um he referred to it as the Jaws syndrome. Like Jaws worked so well because you didn't see the shark. Now you got to pick and choose your moments in a sequel going forward when still the character has to be, you know, really uh, important to the story. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. And I mean, with with the Jaws aspect, they went, you know, the full opposite direction of that for the second yes. one. You know, I, I see, you see Pennywise or at least some manifestation of him all the time. Uh, every time you think you're going to, you pretty much do, you know. Uh, and that saliva question was really interesting, too, because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Bill said they kind of, it wasn't necessarily planned, it was just kind of like he would do it whenever, and if the cameras were rolling, it was great. But, like, you got to prepare for that, right? Like, did he build it up himself? Did they put something in there? Like, I think he probably built it up himself or put stuff in there. It reminds me of the uh, Stranger Things question that he asked Millie Bobby Brown about the nosebleeds. Oh. Every single time she would do a nosebleed, and she gave an answer about how a lot of times she would just tilt her nose back and they would use a turkey baster to put, you know, a blood substance up her nose. Yeah. And then they'd count it down and she'd drop it and do the line and it would trickle down, <laughs> trickle down. And they would just work with the consistency of the liquid so that it would flow slower or faster, however they wanted it to go. You know, some of that is is movie magic that's planned. And some of it, like especially with Bill, I think as he tries things uh, in the Pennywise makeup is just happening in the moment. And, and Andy Muschietti is happy to or lucky to capture it. Right, and you sat down with uh, with the director, as you just mentioned, and a producer at Comic-Con, right? Yes, uh, and they are um, siblings? I want to say that they're siblings. Okay. Uh, Andy and Barbara Muschietti. Awesome. So what what is that like? And I'm curious, have you noticed, is there any you know, difference or distinct characteristics between people that make fucked up movies and people that make, you know, I don't know, dramas or comedies or anything. Or, I mean, some people definitely span different genres for sure, but I mean, is there anything different about horror people? Um, yeah, they usually have to fight uphill battles to get their visions made. Um, we got a chance to speak to not just uh, the Muschietti's in terms of getting it made. It's pretty mainstream, you know, in terms of horror. It's still a Stephen King adaptation. But we got a chance to speak to uh, Ari Aster, who made Midsommar, um, coming off of Hereditary. And it's not that they're, like, fucked up is the wrong term, but they have a vision and they're, they're committed to it, especially, like, psychological horror like that. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the studio, whether it's A24 or, um, I'm trying to think who else gets really into horror uh, that allows people to go it's largely A24, right? Who puts yeah. out things like The Witch. and uh, They've got a really good stable of filmmakers who they trust to complete their vision. That's outside of Blumhouse, you know? Like, I think Jason Blum, he's doing a lot for the horror genre, but he loves the, the mainstream low-budget horror. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not going to get too complicated, I don't think. You're going to get a tweak on the formula that kind of works for filmmaking. So, you know, in the genre, he's still a producer, like a, in a Jerry Bruckheimer model, uh, who just wants to make money and not necessarily get too provocative in terms of what he's doing. But then every once in a while, you get someone like an Ari Aster who, um, when you actually try to get them to explain their vision, a lot of times they don't want to get too much into deciphering it for you. Mm. You know, They get off on the fact that there's different interpretations to what they're putting out there, especially something like Midsommar, which 
I think can be translated in a lot of different ways. Sure. Um, and and yeah, like I said, especially at that point when I get a chance to talk to them, they're still marketing it and they're selling it and they want people to go out and experience it. Uh, it's rare that you get them much later, uh, like months after the film has been out, when you can really do a deep dive and say, okay, for real, like what was this about? But I'll use, um, I don't know, do you consider Mother uh, to be a horror movie? Aronofsky's yeah, I film? mean, yeah, I'd say so. Okay. He's got to be pretty messed up. Right, right. I mean, from Black Swan uh, to Mother, he's into like the body twisting type uh, horror. Yeah. Oh, who just did Suspiria? Who redid uh, Luca? Well, um, um, I forget how to pronounce his name. Yeah. Those guys, again, it's heavy metaphor, it's heavy symbolism. Uh, and a lot of times when we get to talk to them in the interviews, that's, that's a challenge a lot of times. When you're putting together questions to do an interview with somebody like this, you can almost come up with a really good question and then you just say to yourself in your brain, well, they're not going to answer that. They won't answer that. So then you start to think like, all right, how can I ask this so they can give me something without giving too much away because I know they don't want to ruin it for the audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting because I know a lot of times if you go, it seems like if you go digging around for things, uh, the answers are just not satisfying. Like, like with, with Jordan Peele, I remember people were saying, you know, oh, I saw this, you know, symbolism in us or something. He was like, I didn't even I didn't even do that on purpose, you know. So, you're pointing out things to him. So I guess it is good to if they just let people kind of have their own interpretations. Sometimes, you've interviewed a, a ton of really cool people. I was just going through some of the you know many videos that we have out there for Cinema Blend, and I noticed you got to speak with Bruce Campbell. What was that like? Uh, intimidating. Really? Uh, and and but only because he's one of the nicest guys, and but he he means so much to me, you know. Okay. Like, He's he's Ash for God's sakes, yeah. you know. Like, and I think that when when something like that happens, you essentially get ten minutes with Bruce Campbell. It's irrelevant to him, you know. Like, it's just part of his day. He's going to be bouncing around to however many outlets over the course of that day. But for those ten minutes, I'm so laser focused on not messing up somehow, and not asking him a really dumb question. Or not asking him something that he's been asked a million times before. Mm -hmm. And just trying to be interesting so that when you can um, get a reaction from somebody like Bruce Campbell, uh, where he'll say like, oh, that's a good question. Or, oh, I've never been asked that one before. Or something like that. It's the highlight of your day, you know, because these guys have been doing it forever. And, and with Bruce, like, he's forgotten more stuff about filmmaking than most of us will ever know. And, and whether it's super low budget, you know, or working on the Raimi films with... Uh, the Spider-Man Raimi films, or he's seen it all, and he's been around forever, and he's still found a way to, to survive, and you just want them to be as cool as you want, as you think they are in person, and with him, he, he absolutely was. This was at Comic-Con. Uh, I sort of charmed him a little bit in the beginning by calling him the mayor of, of Comic-Con, and he, he enjoyed that title, and it's just, um, you know, they come in, and they're larger than life, most of these guys, and, uh, and he absolutely lived up to that billing. Awesome. Well, that's, that's great to hear because I know, you know, they always say not to meet your heroes and stuff like that. So it's nice when you hear people are, are good well, people. And it, in Comic-Con, he knows that he's that persona. You know, sure. he knows that so many people there are looking up to him as uh, the face of, I don't know, how would you label it? It's not comedy horror, right? But it's, yeah, and it's, it's not, exaggerated. Right. And I mean, it's not, it's not a black comedy. It's, it's like gore it's its comedy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, very gory comedy. I don't know. Um, yeah, he, he, that's, he's just in his own little world, but, uh, but it's great. 
I'm curious, are there any horror movies that you would like to see rebooted or redone or you know, sequels brought back, anything like that? Uh, that's, I, I never want the Elm Street and Friday the 13th franchise to go away. Like, yeah? I, they, they're like Bond to me. You should just keep making them. They should come out every two years. Uh, I would never tire of seeing Jason. And it's it's easier with Jason because anyone can play him. Right. Like Robert Englund is Freddy and it's hard to replace him. We saw that in the reboot. Uh, but those are the, those were my tentpole horror franchises growing up. And so I, I would love to, to see new versions of those films. But I'm more intrigued by uh, the newer ideas that come around. You know, the, the newer franchises that... And they don't always have to spawn sequels, you know, but I really enjoyed the um, Insidious when that came around. Mm -hmm. I enjoy, and then it sort of played itself out with sequels. Uh, you know, James Wan's films are interesting to me. I'm trying to think of something like the paranormal activity was a good idea, mm -hmm. you know, for the first time through. Right. Uh, even Saw, like Saw was a good idea for the first time through. And then they sort of, they run their course. So. I'm a big fan of people continuously trying stuff. I really liked when they did those VHS anthologies too. Mm -hmm. They brought a lot of different filmmakers together to try shorts. Those were interesting things to do. I mean, Trick or Treat to me is one of the best anthologies uh, in recent memory. So I like the idea of bringing a lot of different voices from people who might not be able to get a feature off the ground. Mm -hmm. But if you were giving me a chance to have a Friday 13th movie, you know, because those kept getting crazier and crazier. He'd go to Manhattan. Right. He went to space. <laughs> right. You know, they just... They stopped keeping a foot in any sort of reality, and that's when I started to really enjoy them. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think about, uh, you know, the state of the horror genre now, where you have uh, horror movies that are making a ton of money, you know, which is not something that they, they normally do, and then you have these things like Ari Aster's films that are just bonkers, insane, and, um, you know, and then Jordan Peele's got these movies that are coming out with a lot of social commentary and things. Uh, do you think it sets a precedent for, you know, is a horror evolving or is this just kind of a phase or are you, what do you think about people trying new things? I think it's always going to be evolving. Um, it, even back when you think about Romero, you know, when he was doing zombie films, that, that was social commentary for people at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think horror is a way for people to always sort of explore uh, not just what's making us scared nowadays, but um, what's important to us, you know, what's also culturally relevant the hard part about that is that with films like that you often have to react to something pretty quickly because it's in the news cycle but horror is able to do that because you can do it on the cheap and you can do it fast it doesn't have to be a huge budget film and i think that's kind of that's one thing that bloomhouse is sort of dialed into which is why the purge became so popular um and jordan peele's films he's able to sort of comment on big picture things while also getting narrow and specific in films like Get Out and Us. Uh, and he can turn them out pretty quickly as long as he has an idea. That is also pretty interesting for streaming. You know, I go to the streaming services and I'm overwhelmed by the choices that are available in horror. And I don't know if it's just that streaming has allowed more storytellers who need an outlet to get their low budget horror film shown. Um, but still, you give some of those a try and you realize that they're just regurgitating things that you've seen before you know not mm -hmm. jump scares i'm not saying but like the same type of creature origin the same type of uh what's a big one someone's infected by something you know mm -hmm. and it's and it's ripping through a community so you just crave uh 
originality, something that's like, oh, I truly haven't seen this before. Uh, and whether it's, you know, Train to Busan or something like that, which is a great, yeah. They just figure out a, a new way to tell that story. And you're like, okay, I've never seen this before. This is really cool. And it holds your interest for that amount of time. Yep. No, it's good points. I, I only have a couple more questions for you. Uh, sure. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, horror or, or creepy things, but if you can angle it that, that's great. But is there anything uh, that you're looking forward to for the rest of 2019, or is there anything that you've seen within this last year that you would re- you would recommend to somebody else? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I guess I'm looking forward to See, I'm a big Stephen King guy, mm-hmm. uh, and I love the fact that we're back in a renaissance of Stephen King. I was disappointed in It Chapter 2. Uh, not not disappointed, but I, I loved the first one. Yeah, I was underwhelmed. And underwhelmed, like that's the way to look at it. And I still can't quite figure out what went wrong. But I liked Pet Cemetery, and I was glad that they dove back into that. I thought there was an angry, you know, translation of an angry book, essentially. And so for that reason, I'm really looking forward to Doctor Sleep. Um, and I want to see how it connects to The Shining. I know the book has some threads, but the movie seems to be leaning on not just. King's novel, but also uh, Stanley Kubrick's film. And uh, Mike Flanagan obviously did um, Hill House, which was, to me, one of the best stories I've seen in any sort of format. Uh, That long-form Netflix series was tremendous. So I'm on board with just about anything that he does. And the fact that he's blatantly admitting that, oh yeah, I'm adapting the book, but I'm totally connecting it to Stanley Kubrick's movie. Uh, Even though he knows King doesn't like that movie. Me, right uh, is is bold and 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 that's what I think that that story kind of needs. So I'm I'm thrilled by that. Awesome, awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, about Real Blend, about your podcast, what it's all about, where people oh, can yeah. find it? For sure, um, the Real Blend podcast is uh, on Cinema Blends Podcast Network. Um, we're available wherever you guys can download podcasts on Apple and Spotify and Google Play and all those useful tools. Um, we started as an awards blend. Uh, show where we were covering the Oscar race and it's just uh, two other hosts who love getting together and talking about movies and we're all uh, involved in what's called the junket circuit which is a pretentious way of just saying that we go around and interview celebrities for our jobs. Um, Kevin McCarthy is in Washington DC and he works for the Fox affiliate uh, in, in Washington and then Jake is at the Fox affiliate in Chicago. So we've known each other over the years and we've always sort of like when you go to these junkets and these press events there's a lot of downtime as you're waiting to talk to the celebrities. And so the three of us realized that we just clicked and, uh, you know, we have a really good friendship. So years ago, uh, we did a video after we watched Alfonso Cuaron's movie Gravity at the Toronto Film Festival. And we were just gushing about it in the hallway afterwards. And I said, hey, you know what? Cinema Blend is looking for video content. Why don't you guys come back to my room and we'll record a really quick video uh, blog at the time. I don't even know if podcasts were a thing. I'm sure that they were. We just didn't know how to do them. Um, and that video was fun. We had a good time doing it, but it, I, don't, I don't even know how it did. But when we came around to years later wanting to pitch the idea of doing a weekly podcast where people just sort of sit around and BS about movies, I thought that those two would be a really good fit. And we did. We chose the Oscar season as, as something to sort of get through because it was something we were all interested in. Once we got through that Oscar season, we kind of realized we were enjoying doing it. And not only were we enjoying doing it, but some people were figuring out that we were a good uh, outlet for directors to come on and talk because directors you know, while they go out there and they sell their films, obviously, uh, they're not as good in that three to four minute uh, TV junket slot. Like a lot of times when you do the junket interviews with celebrities, they talk to everybody for three to four minutes, four to five minutes. Some 
brief stint where you're sitting down, you get three or four questions, you shoot them out really fast. And actors can do that. Directors are much more comfortable when they can just sit down and give you 20 to 30 minutes and really talk long form about uh, what it took to put this movie together, what they were hoping to accomplish, obstacles that they ran into over the course of it. And these are guys, the producers, the directors, sometimes the screenwriters, they've been on these projects for a really long time. And so they have the most interesting stories to tell. And they want to also, they're craving people's feedback because again, this, these are their movies going out into the marketplace for the first time. And so we've turned Real Blend a bit into a, a platform for filmmakers to come on and talk about their films. And we've been lucky enough uh, recently to have people like Kevin Smith came on, uh, Quentin Tarantino, uh, John Watts came on to talk Spider-Man Far From Home. We had Kevin Feige uh, talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Russo brothers came on to talk about Endgame. We had Robert Rodriguez on earlier this year for Alita Battle Angel. Um, we had... Uh, Gurinder Chada came on to Blinded by the Light. Uh, we're hoping to get Joaquin Phoenix for the Joker uh, coming up soon. So again, as more people sort of find out about these long form interviews that we're doing, we're getting more offers. And that's been, um, that's been super exciting to see the podcast grow that way. Awesome. Yeah, I would recommend anybody check it out. It's, it's a lot of fun. You all are very knowledgeable and you're also just great friends. And just there's a lot of laughing. There's a lot of bad jokes. It's right <laughs> up my alley. A ton um, of really bad jokes. <laughs> great puns. Uh, yeah, I love it. You can find it, you know, on any podcast network. It's 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 real blend. It's R E E L, or you can go to cinemablend.com and find it there. And it's a great show. Check it out. Uh, Sean, thank you very much for taking the time. I appreciate it, Cody.